Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning, the gospel reading that we heard just a moment ago from John 4. Especially these words from Jesus. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, give me a sign. Give me a sign. I want to know for sure what's about to happen. I want to know that I have God's favor or disfavor, one way or the other. Just give me a little sign. Let me in on it, God. How many times aren't we tempted to ask that question or make that demand? There's something really appealing about signs, isn't there? Many of you have seen the movie, Forrest Gump. At the beginning of the movie, Forrest Gump, there's a little feather that's floating down from the sky. And then you kind of forget about it. And then at the end of the movie, what do you see? What are you left with? That same little feather floating down from the sign. It's a sign, right? It's a sign. Well, what's it a sign of? God's blessings on forest? That Jenny is watching over him? That it's windy? That a bird lost a feather? You see, that's the thing about signs. You can make them say whatever you want them to say. It appeals because we know what we want and when we want it. And so we look for things to confirm what's in our heart, what's in our mind, what's in our emotions. Now, I suppose that much of that is meaningless but harmless. It takes on a whole different twist. When we start asking for signs or demanding signs from God. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. I asked God for a sign and he didn't give it to me. And that's why I don't go to church. I asked God to answer my prayer the way I wanted him to answer it. And he didn't do it. What kind of a God is that? How many times haven't we asked God for something specific, a sign, and then when we didn't get it, or get it the way we wanted, or get it in the time that we wanted, we lash out 
in anger against God, anger against the church. We have a classic example of that in our gospel reading for today. Jesus is in Cana. Remember Cana? Two chapters earlier, Jesus is at Cana at a wedding. Jesus performs his first sign, his first miracle, his first public miracle recorded for us in Scripture, blessing God's institution of marriage and changing water into wine. How did he do it? No human being can do it. This must be God in the flesh. And the word spread. And now two chapters later, Jesus is back at Cana. You can imagine the fervor that was going on when they heard Jesus was coming. I wonder what great miracles he'll do this time. I wonder what great signs he'll perform this time. But there was more than people wanting a carnival sideshow. We have a man, a man at Capernaum who was an official and his son was ill. We don't know if he's a Jew or a Greek. We don't know if he's young or old. We know two things about him. He's an official. He's a man of authority. He's used to giving orders. I say jump, you say how high. You know what I mean. And he's got a problem. A big problem. A heart-wrenching problem. His son. Very ill. Near death. So what do you do? What do you do when you have a family member, a child, a parent, a brother or a sister, a good friend who's ill? I know what I do. I pray for healing. I know what I do sometimes. I pray very specifically for what I want and when I want it. In those kind of situations. You know what I hate? True confession time. I hate to pray, Thy will be done. I want my will to be done. I want my timetable to be satisfied. I want my wishes to come true. Especially when somebody's sick or somebody's dying. I'm no man of authority, but I like it when I say something and people listen. The man of authority goes to Jesus and he says, my son is ill. 
I want you to come to my house and I want you to heal him. Chop, chop, Jesus. If you can make water into wine, certainly my son's life is more important than joy and gladness at a wedding celebration. We get the picture. We feel for the man. Many times we are that man. We don't necessarily like Jesus' response, do we? We want gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Oh yes, sir. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever you want, sir. Can we get the Donkey Express down to your house? But Jesus, with this young boy, at the point of death, Jesus says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. What? What kind of a response is that, Jesus? Of course the man had some kind of faith, at least, at least some basic faith, right? He knew where to go in his need. He knew Jesus was a miracle worker. He went to the right spot. What was the problem? The problem was this man's faith was making demands on God. Faith receives. Faith listens. Faith makes no demands. Because when we make demands, that's not faith. That would be authority. Chop, chop. Jesus. The man heard Jesus' words. And then he said, Sir, come down before my child dies. He still didn't get it. He was still making demands on God. My friends, sometimes we do this in our weakness because we're hurting, we're suffering. Our guts are being torn out. Sometimes we do it because we think we have better words than the Lord Jesus himself. The man wanted a sign. He wanted healing, a miracle for his son. He didn't want to listen. He didn't want to wait. He didn't trust that Jesus would give him 
exactly what he needs. Now, Jesus could have lashed out in a lecture about how weak the man's faith was. He could have lashed out in punishment for the man demanding the Son of God jump at his command. But our God is merciful, full of mercy and abounding with steadfast love in the man's weakness. He perfected his faith. In the man's weakness, he taught him to trust in the power of the word. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. Jesus didn't need to go to the man's house. Jesus didn't need to stand on his head or do some hand gyration or even touch the boy. The power of the word of God healed him. Healed him that very second that it was spoken. The man believed the word of Jesus. God mercifully confirmed that belief. What, what hour did my son get better? The very hour, the very minute that Jesus spoke. And he believed. And not only did he believe, but his whole household believed with him. My friends, what kind of a sign are you looking for today? What kind of a miracle do you want? A miracle of healing? A miracle to fix a broken heart? A broken relationship? A broken world? What kind of a sign do you want? Last Friday afternoon, I looked up, and there in the sky, two jet streams had crossed. It looked like a cross. Was that a sign from God? I can make that, that, that odd sky image say anything I want. God's blessing me. God's blessing the fish that I can't catch. Whatever. My friends, in our zeal, for signs and wonders. We all too often close our eyes and our ears to the even greater signs, the even greater wonders, the even greater miracles that Jesus performs right here and right now. Uh, what are you talking about, Pastor? I don't see the, the wheelchair people coming up for you. No! God gives us even greater signs today.
at the baptismal font? What does it look like? Looks like a guy sprinkling some water over a person, oftentimes just a little baby. What's that look like? It looks like a nothing. But what does God's word say? God's word says, this is the washing of regeneration and renewal. This is the power of God bringing life where only there is death. This is the new birth of water and the word, the power of the word. How can simple water do such great things? It's not the water. It's the Word of God connected to the water. This is the sign. This is the miracle that God gives and gives and gives and gives. At the beginning of our service today, the pastor stood there and said, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What does that look like? Looks like an extra 30 seconds in the worship service, right? It looks like just words. Religious ritual. What does God say it is? It is the powerful word. The life-giving word. The life-changing word. The word of forgiveness that God speaks to you individually through your pastor. It's a miracle. It's a sign. And he gives and he gives and he gives. What do we have up here? Oh, a little, a little shot glass or cup full of inexpensive wine, some, some bread. What does that look like? Not even enough for a decent mid-morning snack. What does God's Word say it is? This is my body. This is my blood. The very body and blood crucified for you on Calvary's cross. The very body and blood risen from the dead three days later for you to eat and to drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will live forever. This is the Word of God. This is the powerful Word of God. It's a miracle! It's a miracle that God continues to give and to give and to give. My friends, we have fallen into the trap of creating and demanding our own signs and wonders and at the same time ignoring the signs and wonders that God gives us. So what does God do? Our God is merciful. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Just like the official in our text. He speaks a word to you. 
He says, my son, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. All of our sin of demanding signs and wonders, cooking up and creating things in our mind and in our hearts, taking for granted, or even worse, ignoring and despising the signs that He gives us, all these sins and more. Jesus has shed His blood for you. Jesus is risen from the dead for you. Jesus, the Word of God made flesh is here for you. He knows your hurt. He knows your pain. He knows your frustration. He knows your weakness. And He loves you. And He forgives you. And He says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And I will continue to give my miraculous signs to you. Until I come again. In power and might and glory. And take you to be with me in the mansions of heaven. My friends, God says it. That settles it. I believe it. May God grant that to us all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears, our faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.